The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Welcome, everybody. It must be Saturday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. or it might be Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. We air twice a week to talk about your career, dissect the job market, figure out what's going on in this crazy economy. Uh, we, we talk about just about every workplace issue here on Radio Jobline. Uh, we also post the show on LinkedIn, which I'll tell you about at the end of the program after it's broadcast. So um, we're happy to have you join us tonight. We have a great topic. We have a good friend and uh, really somebody that has a perspective that not too many people have, and that is what is going on in the mind of the Long Island CEO right now? What are they thinking about? Are they still thinking about uh, coming to work every day? Or is that something that's already passe and no longer even an issue? Are they thinking about the economy? My guess is they are. Uh, But we're gonna get all the data, we're gonna get all the information from from our our friend uh, Jeff Oak, a fellow Westie owner. Jeff is the Vistage Chair for Vistage International. He, uh, that means he's the, he has the privilege of working with Long Island CEOs and business owners who are hungry, humble, and smart and want to grow so they can strengthen their companies, families, and communities. Jeff is an executive coach, leadership consultant, and trusted advisor with 30 years of experience leading small, medium, and large companies. Vistage International was founded 65 years ago and has 45,000 members in 35 countries. It's the target, uh, excuse me, it's the largest leadership development organization for CEOs, business owners, and executives of small to mid-sized companies who want to get better results. In 2020, at the height of the pandemic, Vistage member companies grew their annual revenue by 4.6%, while non-member companies saw revenue decline by 4.7%. This is according to a study of Dun & Bradstreet data. Uh, Each quarter, Vistage surveys CEOs of small and mid-sized companies to produce the CEO Confidence Index. We're going to talk about that tonight. Started in 2003, the Vistage CEO Confidence Index has grown to be the largest and most comprehensive report of opinions and projections from CEOs of small and mid-sized businesses in the U.S. Jeff will be sharing some of the data from the most recent survey and discuss what it means for companies here on Long Island. If you want to know what's going on in Long Island, you got you to think about what do the CEOs think. So that's what tonight's show is about. Jeff is recruiting high-performing CEOs and small business owners for the peer advisory groups that he leads. If you wish to nominate a high-performing business leader for consideration, please contact Jeff directly on LinkedIn, email. Uh, his email is jeff.oak at vistage, that's V-I-S-T-A-G-E chair.com, or his phone number, 703-475-8539. Jeff, welcome to Radio Jobline. It's great to be here, Scott. Great to have you back. You've been here several times yes. now, and uh, we love your information, and you're just such a fantastic communicator, so we love having you, and uh, we love getting into the mindset of the CEO. Uh, nobody else can give us that. Unless maybe we have a CEO or two CEOs on the show, but you can give us far more data, far more data points, and far more tone of what's really going on out there. Now, I I just have to ask you this question. I've been watching the economy. We have an economist that comes on the show. Um, I, I have to tell you, Jeff, I don't like what I'm seeing. Now, very often, 
I don't like what I'm saying. So <laughs> so that's nothing new. But but it just seems like I wish this these rate hikes had been super high, get it over with, choke off the economy, get rid of the job growth, and then everybody would have been happy. The stock market would have went back up. Everybody, you know, things would have returned to normal. But we've been teetering and tottering on the edge of a recession. And it just seems like it's not going anywhere. It's gonna be around for a while longer. More interest rate hikes are coming. Uh, bigger rate hikes are coming. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't like what I'm seeing. How about you? Well, you're not alone in um, being very distressed about what, what the state of the economy. I'm not an economist, but you don't have to be an economist to know that what the Fed is trying to do is reduce inflation. Mm-hmm. Are they doing it at the right pace? A lot of a lot of a lot of thoughts around that mm-hmm. um, one thing is for sure and we'll talk about that about this a little bit more is that there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty about what is actually happening mm-hmm. and we'll 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 cue off of that uh, you know once we get underway right. a lot of uncertainty okay so so and with all that uncertainty you know when you sit down with a group of ceos tell us a little bit about how your how your how the, how the organization works so, so what happy to do that so uh, vistage is a global organization that delivers value to ceos locally so for example there are 28,000 ceo members of vistage around the world mm-hmm. Uh, they're all, they all gather in groups of 12 to 16 in local communities. So I lead several peer advisory groups for CEOs, mm-hmm. and, and we gather in person on Long Island. They're Long Island companies. I live on Long Island. Uh, and so that's the way Vistage operates. We're a global company with local impact. All right. I had the uh, the pleasure of attending one of your yes. little Vistage meetings. Uh, I talked about uh, executive search yes. and staffing and so on, and I had a good time doing it. And it was a nice group of people, and they didn't seem like CEOs. You know, they just seemed like regular guys. You know, um, when when there's a joke among some of my Vistage chair colleagues that when someone uh, joins a Vistage group, they come in a CEO, and our goal is to make them leave a human being. Mm-hmm. Very so. good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so it's a great organization with great information. Okay. Yes. So what do the numbers say? For, can I wait? Before you start, are they still worried about people showing up to work? Yeah, there's, I mean, I'll get into what I'm hearing from my CEO, from the CEOs that, that I work with mm-hmm. here on Long Island. Um, and the range of con- I mean, CEOs are worried about people coming to work. They're, they're worried about uh, are people is, is, is this a permanent state of hybrid or remote or what have you? Um, and so, yes, concern, concerns about that, concerned about con- a whole range of different concerns. And we'll delve into um, several of those mm-hmm. you know, over, over the course of our conversation. Okay. Another thing I was kind of curious about, we did two shows in a row a couple of months back on artificial intelligence. Yes. And I'm wondering if that is on the mind of the CEO, because it, that's certainly going to have a big impact. It is. And in fact, Vistage is sponsoring a webinar on a on artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's either this week or next week. Mm. Um, and because it's such a hot topic and there are a lot of business leaders, entrepreneurs um, trying to anticipate what the impact of AI is going to be mm-hmm. On the workplace, everything from innovation to productivity, um, 
the, the potential impact is vast. Yeah. Uh, this chat GTP, which has gotten a lot of play, um, it's, it's a little kind of scary that it can produce an article. Now, the article may be incorrect, but it looks very convincing and very compelling, no matter how, it, whether it's accurate or not. So I think they're, they're really on to something. The, um, it was interesting to me, I think it was last week, J.P. Morgan um, has prohibited uh, any of their employees, they basically prohibited chat GPT within, within their firm. Mm. So there are some scary elements of it in terms of, you know, who actually wrote this? I mean, who's, right. ta- who's taking credit for having written it? Right. And I know academics yeah. are really worried about it. Yes. Because, you know, how do you find out if the student actually wrote the paper? I know. I know. But there are ways to find yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness. Yes. But, but uh, I know when it first hit, it caught all the professors yes. by surprise. It did. It did. And actually, the webinar that we're hosting, it's a national webinar with a couple of national authorities. It's looking at both AI and chat, chat GPT in particular. Can you give us any details about that webinar in case people want to attend? Um, I don't have them with me, but I'd be very happy to send them to you and we can figure out how best well, to can, get it out I to your listeners. Well, I can mention it on uh, next, next week's show. Yes. Just give me yeah. the information. I will. I okay. will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what are the numbers telling us? So the numbers are telling us that that things are very confusing right now Mm -hmm. and a tremendous amount of uncertainty. Let me just walk through three numbers. On the one hand, only one out of 10 CEOs expects the economy to improve. Mm -hmm. No surprise there. There's a lot of angst. And those same CEOs are expecting six out of 10 are expecting revenue and profitability to improve. Mm. So the economy, you know, is not going to improve yet. Revenue and profitability, six out of 10 expect that it will. Mm. And also six out of 10 expect to hire more employees in the next 12 months. Hmm. Um, so what, what does that data mean? And I'm just going to tease out three things that I think we can uh, draw from that. First, there's a very negative outlook on the national economy. We talked about the impact of the Fed's interest rate hikes. They're trying to reduce inflation. There's causing just tremendous turmoil and uncertainty in, in, in so many different sectors. So a negative outlook on one hand, but then there's also confidence about um, it's easier to hire. Uh, CEOs are saying that, it, that the, the difficulty in hiring people is beginning to Abate. It's because more just, people are available. More people are a whole bunch of different factors. Okay. More people are available, and they expect profitability to improve. So they expect to be in a position to be able to hire. What's significant about the, those six out of ten uh, CEOs who expect revenue and profitability to increase, and they expect to be able to hire more employees, um, is that. Um, it's uncertain how long that confidence is going to last. And it's a 10% increase over the previous two quarters. Mm. That's, a, that's a very significant shift in the sentiment of CEOs that, that it's 10% better than it was only two months ago. Hmm. Um, so that's a positive sign, yet the negative outlook on the economy, it's very difficult to make sense of it. Can you put your finger on what, what makes them think it's going to get more profitable? We don't. In our survey, we don't ask for, we ask a lot of questions. Uh, as you noted, it's a survey that, that has a, a two decades long 
um, tenure were the go. It's the survey that the Wall Street Journal goes to mm-hmm. when it wants to know what small and mid-sized companies CEOs are thinking. Mm. We don't really probe in the survey the reasons why. We ask a lot of questions about their sentiment, their confidence, and what they expect. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's certainly positive that they expect profitability to increase. Uh, if if the if the market and other factors uh, see companies increasing their profits, you know, you can't kill an economy that won't die. Yeah. You know, if 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 companies continue to be profitable despite all these rate hikes, yeah. despite all this other stuff, um, unemployment is certainly going to go up a little bit. Yep. Uh, I, so many layoffs have been announced, and you know what? It's scary, Jeff. When you hear that. 15,000 people are being laid off from this company and 10,000 are being laid off from that company. You're not hearing a lot of smaller companies doing a lot of layoffs. And you would know that better than me because your people are small to medium-sized yeah. people. Yeah, well, there, there's a, a phrase, and I, with all, I don't want to uh, minimize the impact on people's lives of big companies doing massive layoffs. Mm-hmm. So that we got to take that seriously. Right. But, but some commentators have said that when um, big companies um, fire people, small companies smile because that makes people available mm-hmm. to small companies. Um, I can honestly say that the CEOs that I work with, um, I, don't, I can't think of any one of them who is laying off people. Mm. Okay, that's good. I'm not not saying that it's always going to be that way, but right now, that's not a trend in the small companies that we work with. Right. And and like I said, there's part of me that wants it to happen so that we can get it over with and move on. That's the way recessions work. Yeah. You know, they don't, you don't stay unless the great recession, you know, you don't really stay in recession for five years. You stay in recession for one year, right. or even six months even. Right. So, so, uh, but I, I don't like the, all the uncertainty that you've been yeah. referring to is, is that nothing's happening. We're, we're sort of in the same position we were yeah. six months ago. We're, we're kind of muddling, we're muddling through. Yeah. Um, and your earlier comment that we're teetering, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a very unsettling time. Mm. So so what what else do the numbers tell us? Anything else? The, those I guess the one other piece of good news is that for all three of these measures, anticipated improvement in the economy, um, revenue profitability, and hiring, Long Island performs better than the rest of the country. That's- so the good news for your listeners uh, here on Long Island. Uh, is that we're doing better than the rest of the nation? Right. Okay. And I saw those numbers, and it was it was noticeable. Yeah. Uh, and and great news, great news. Long Island's always somewhat insulated. I remember um, you probably weren't even born yet, but in the recession of nineteen eighty. Remember when the stock market crashed in 1987? Sure. We had a recession here on Long Island that started in 1989, hmm. two years later hmm. after the stock market crashed. And it went on for two years. Yeah. So until 1991. But- it was bad. It was a really bad uh, re- recession. I mean, uh, I, I personally suffered in that one. Sure. And, and uh, a lot of people did. And then you have the 2000, the 2001, um, you know, the, the Great Recession, 2007, 8. Um, and now you got this little one here. We, you know, and, and it's a pain in the neck. Yeah. You know, we, I, I, my, my stance is let's get it over with. Or forget about it. Yeah, you know, let let inflation be what it is. Well, companies make a make a fortune. Uh, everybody be happy there uh, there too. I don't. You know, I I worry about people trying to 
to lower inflation when it's never been caused by the complicating factors that have caused this this particular situation, the supply chain yeah. issues. Now, I, I went, I talked to my car dealer, okay? Yep. I have, my lease is up next year. I have two, I have one more year on my lease. And I said, if I was gonna buy a car today, same car I have now, he said, you'd have to put down an extra thousand on, if it's a lease, and your payment would be $100 a month higher. So that is the end result of what's happening with cars cars i think have so many chips in them and they're you know whatever the problem is related to the supply chain but cars have gotten ridiculous um yeah i'm afraid to tell you what we paid for a honda accord i mean it's just just horrible you know um and and we had the automotive industry on the show a couple of years ago a couple of weeks ago talking about what's happening there and they're they're saying that the supply is improving and that it's going to get better give it some time another year or two I'm not sure the Fed rates the Fed rate hikes have anything to do with this. Yeah. I, I I feel like it's sort of self-regulating. Yeah, and I and I and I would I would agree with you, or at least the the sentiment of the CEOs that we work with and that we see in this survey um, is that supply chain issues, while they haven't gone away, they are they have improved. Right. They okay. are improving. All right. Yeah. So so but but if that's happening, do you think that's as a result of what the Fed has done? Or is it just coming down on its own? Uh, I don't think the Fed has much to do with the supply chain. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I just, I'm, I'm in this quandary about if this recession should be handled the way previous recessions have been yeah. handled. It's a great question. Because of what caused it. Yeah. You know, COVID, three years of COVID. I mean, right. economic lockdowns, shutdowns. Look what happened to the hospitality industry. It's never going to be the same. Yeah. All those uh, restaurants that are gone, they're not coming back. So yes, you can still go to a restaurant. And hospitality is coming back. Yeah. It's coming back. Yeah, um, I noticed uh, I was out last Saturday. It was, it was a mob scene. Yeah, yeah. So, so all of a sudden, you know, people are, are doing it. And they're spending money too, yeah, Jeff, yeah. which is weird in, in, in this slightly recessionary uh, situation. Yeah, right? one, of, one of my um, colleagues, it's a, a leader here on uh, Long Island, who um, does a lot of recruiting in the hospitality industry, and um, they're anticipating, his firm is anticipating huge increases in demand for their services, mm-hmm. and that's a good sign. Excellent sign. Great sign. Okay, so it's all about leadership. Right. You know, we, we, that's the great thing about having you on the show. When we have you on the show, we don't have to keep saying it because that's really the topic. These are the leaders of the world, the, the leaders of Long Island. And, and it's, it's, it was fascinating to be in the room with them, and I, I still appreciate that opportunity. And they enjoyed you, and oh, they enjoyed you it, very much. It was a lot, it was a lot of fun, and, and it, just to be with such smart, successful people, yeah. all dressed like me. Yeah, you know? ordinary Except folks. I was wearing a suit, and they were dressed for golf. Yeah. So, so I'm still upset about that. <laughs> um, but but uh, we're gonna talk about leadership in the next segment, what, what leaders can do what leaders should be doing right now, right. right this minute, and what they should be doing in the next few months, what they should be doing long term, you know, and, and so on. So we'll, we'll dive into all that. Before we do that, tell people how to get a hold of Vistage. What if there's a CEO listening to the show right now, says, hey, I'd like to be part of this. You know, how do they, how do they get involved? So um, my LinkedIn is Jeff Oak, J-E-F-F Oak. Uh, would be happy to share, get information out in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vistage website uh, is very straightforward, 
dot vistage v is in victor i s t a g e vistage dot com mm-hmm. uh, my email i'll share it again you shared it earlier is jeff dot oak at vistage chair all one word dot com and then my direct line is seven zero three four seven five eight five three nine okay if you just joined us you're listening to radio job line with scott possessor we have with us tonight our friend and a, and a really brilliant guy jeff oak that has been with us a couple of times and given us the perspective no one else can give us from the standpoint of the ceo if you have an idea and would like to be on job line you can write to me scott p 118 at gmail.com it's scott p 118 at gmail.com happy to have you on i also want you to connect with me on linkedin if you do our radio shows will show up in your newsfeed, and you'll be able to see it if you're on linkedin and if you're not on linkedin what's wrong with you uh but but you'll be able to hear the show save the show do what you need to do uh we have to do this after the radio station broadcasts it but it's there and it gets uh, thousands of impressions per week we'll be right back after this uh, messages And now, welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor, joined tonight by Jeff Oak. From, he's the Vistage Chair from Vistage International. Uh, Jeff has a perspective, if you just joined us, uh, from CEOs that you will not find anywhere else. Uh, they are the go-to company. You mentioned uh, who, who comes to you, uh, uh, J.P. Morgan, somebody. Uh, 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 no, J, 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 I was offering the example J.P. Morgan uh, has uh, prohibited chat GPT right. w- within their company. Right. But oh, Dun & Brad, Dun & Brad, Brad Street. That's Dun & Brad Street. Dun & Brad Street. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, so uh, if you're recognized by an organization like that, this is no fly-by-night company. Yeah. This yeah. is the real McCoy. Yeah. So, uh, it's all about perspective. It is. So, so to, to walk your viewers um, through the thought process here, um, Everybody talks about data. We got, first, we got to look at what the data says. Then we got to look at what the data means. And then, and then so what? What do we do with that data? And that's where I'd like to pivot mm-hmm. now. What should leaders do in the context of the tremendous uncertainty? And I'd like to, I'd like to really suggest three things that leaders need to do in this uncertain, really disruptive context. Uh, and the first one is that it's all about perspective. And with each of these, um, uh, maybe, should I list, maybe I'll just identify all three. Please do. It's all about the perspective is uh, the first thing leaders should be mindful of. Second thing is that mentoring is no longer a one-way street. And the third thing is that it all comes down to the people. Mm-hmm. So let's just walk through those. Uh, it, it's all about perspective. And I'm going to illustrate each of these with a little story. Mm-hmm. Um, about a month or so ago, Scott, I was in Western North Carolina and I climbed a mountain with my son, mm. pretty steep mountain. Uh, there are parts of it that we were on all fours kind of climbing up the rock mm. and we wanted to get to the top and we were huffing and puffing. I mean, it was a, it was a vigorous hike and we got to a clearing and we thought we were at the top because we looked out and we saw, I don't know, two or three trees. It was a beautiful view. Thought, awesome. We're at the top. Mm-hmm. And then I turned to my left a little bit. And the trail kept going. Mm. And so we had to keep going. 
eventually we came to this huge clearing. Mm-hmm. It was breathtaking. And we didn't just see two or three trees. We saw 10, 12, 14 trees, mountains, I'm sorry, in every direction. Mm-hmm. Spectacular view. Mm. And I got to thinking that had we stopped, we only would have seen a limited perspective. Right. We only would have seen a couple of mountains. We had to go all the way to the top to see all of the mountains that there were to see. Mm-hmm. And CEOs need to do the same thing. They need to seek outside perspectives, not just the perspective right in front of them that supports their own, but they need to seek diverse perspectives, especially perspectives that are different, that make the CEO uncomfortable or that challenge the CEO's perspective. Mm. Um, Because there's so much going on that it's difficult to make sense of. Mm. Um, and so this issue of perspective is, is key. Um, you can't stop with, okay, someone agreed with me, I got all I need. <laughs> right. Just like we were halfway up, oh, this is good enough, we'll go down now. Mm-hmm. If we had gone down, my son and I, after we came to that clearing, we never would have seen the breathtaking sites that we saw Mm. and and leaders have to go all the way to the top they have to affirmatively seek out these perspectives because it's a complex world out there there's a lot happening and the perspectives that we have there are we have blind spots we have um, assumptions that may not be correct and these outside perspectives challenge those blind spots and those assumptions. So, so how, that's how do they thing. do that? How do they do it? Well, I mean, in, in, in Vistage, we provide a way to do that by bringing together CEOs who are peers um, and they don't really owe each other anything. And so they'll say, look, I think you're full of, I think you're full of it or I, I think your assumption's flawed or I think you have a blind spot or let me offer a perspective that's different from the one that you've articulated that maybe you've never thought of. And to the extent that CEOs can place themselves into settings where they're getting perspectives from objective peers who don't owe them anything. As CEOs, it's very lonely. Mm. And they get, you get lots of opinions when, they're, when you're a CEO. The trouble is all of them have agendas attached. Mm. You put together peers who are objective, who don't know, who don't owe each other anything. You get you get the unvarnished truth, and you get you're going to hear things that you don't want to hear, mm-hmm. and that maybe nobody else wants to tell you or has the guts to tell you, but a peer will tell you. Do the other CEOs feel an obligation to share, be transparent, uh, oh, give absolutely. ideas and thoughts, even to something unrelated to their business? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, one of the one of the dimensions of Vista is it's just it's just a characteristic of the way we do things. It's a non-competing group, so we don't have more than one member from any one industry sector, right? Because we don't want the folks in the group to be worried if they share something sensitive relating to their company that someone else will use that in an anti-competitive manner. And we have a we have a whole set of rules and guidelines about confidentiality and and 
the way we conduct our meetings to assure that nothing is off the table. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Uh, let's keep going. Move on to the next one. So, so the second one. Oh, by the way, I have to just ask you one quick question. Yeah. When you were climbing the mountain. Yeah. Was there any point when you were on your hands and knees? Absolutely. That you said to yourself, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> no, no. It came, I came close. came close, though. Um, uh, particularly when we had to go all, on all fours. And it was, it was, a, it was, not, it was not one of these trails that's like a sidewalk mm-hmm. or you know flat flat uh, flat paths to walk on it was just it was just climbing over rocks yeah i hear so, you okay yeah. keep going keep yeah. going sorry I had so to do the, that. the the second thing um that i'd offer is that mentoring is no long is no longer a one-way street what do i mean by that a number of and then i'm going to share another snapshot a number of years ago i worked for a, a large company I uh, was on the executive team. The CEO came into the executive team and said, we all needed to get mentors. And those mentors needed to be at least 20 years younger than us. Mm. We all kind of raised our eyebrows. And then it became clear that we were not going to be mentoring them, even though we were the leadership team of the company, but they were going to be mentoring us. And it changed, it changed our perspective. And... The brilliance of that recommendation was to be mentored by someone in a different generation than us. Mm. Gen Z is the largest generation in human history. And there are there will be 1.3 billion billion Gen Zers entering the workforce. Mm. And that is underway now. That's going to change the workplace. And let me tell you, let me describe one way and that's gonna, is that that's going to change the workplace. Historically, the onus on young employees was always, okay, an older person tells them, my house, my rules. You got to adapt to us. And to a certain extent, that's still true. But what's new about this wave of Gen Zers entering the workplace is that it's fundamentally changing the nature of the workplace. And I'll give a couple of examples. Please. Gen Zers are, the, are digital natives. They have grown up in a world where there is only devices. Whereas you and I, we, we can remember a time when there, were not, when there was not an iPhone and not um, certain devices. Mm-hmm. That's all that they've known. And so the way they think about it, let me just take something very simple. Uh, whether you put something, go into a grocery store and put something in the cart or on your computer click place in cart, mm-hmm. for many Gen Zers, the outcome's the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, every physical object for Gen Zers, there has always been a digital analog. Mm-hmm. Another example um, of the the difference in how it impacts the workforce, it may surprise some of your listeners, but Gen Zers still prefer face-to-face interaction. But what may surprise us is that they view Zoom teams as as Mm face-to-face. So they still value that, they just define it differently. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to the mentoring question. The workplace is gonna be 
inalterably changed by the influx of Gen Zers. And certainly they will need to adapt. And older employees are also going to adapt. And so um, the smartest organizations are leading with a message that mentoring goes both ways. Mm. Certainly younger employees have something to learn from older employees, but the converse is true as well. Mm. Older employees have something to learn from younger employees. And the brilliance of my CEO back those many years ago, requiring us um, to be mentored by a younger employee, taught us things that I don't know that we ever, or introduced perspectives that I don't know if we ever would have gained. We certainly would not have gained it in a timely manner. And to the extent that, that leaders, CEOs, can inculcate a viewpoint that mentoring go th goes both ways, younger employees and older employees are going to have to adapt and meet somewhere in the middle, whether the question is hybrid work or um, digital, all the many manifestations and implications of digital, there's going to need to be adaptation in both directions. Yeah, <clears throat> I've noticed uh, what you say it is very true uh, because I do train young people that are Zers and Xers, and and I do learn from them because they, first of all, when you're when you're our age, Jeff, or maybe my age, you, the expressions that you use are not as valuable as they used to be. The the parallels that you draw are not as powerful yes. as they used to be the, the the memories that people have are far different when you're in your 50s and 60s than when you're in your 20s and 30s so you, you've got a, a whole different perspective on what's what's big yes what's big was 9-11 some of these people weren't born yeah when 9-11 it's, it's unbelievable yeah. you know so so but i find myself picking up things uh colloquial expressions and uses of technology that I hadn't thought of. And, and uh, so, so there's an immediate value. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that, that you can learn from far younger people. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I always challenge when I hear older um, employees complaining about younger generations, um, I'm, always, I'm always very quick to challenge that. Mm -hmm. Just as I'm quick when younger employees are complaining about old, older employees very quick to challenge that because the workplace is fundamentally changing in so many ways that the learning needs to go in both directions and young need to learn from old and old needs to learn from young okay so that would be a big improvement you know, if and when that happens and when it happens. Yep. So, okay, let's keep going. So the third thing that I think leaders can do is to recognize that um, it all comes down to the people. So let me uh, tell another story uh, about that. The Super Bowl was however many weeks ago, mm -hmm. and there was a player that, that probably no, nobody even really recognizes the name, but he's a, a player who really interests me, a guy by the name of Jordan Melata, mm -hmm. who was the left offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. And it's, it's one of the most important positions on the field because – the left offensive tackle protects the blind side 
of the quarterback, mm-hmm. um, who of course is Jalen Hurts, a, right. a, a real rising star. Oh, what a quarterback! A great quarterback. And what's interesting to me about Jordan Melata, he's one of the best people in his position in the league, mm-hmm. but he never played football prior to the Eagles drafting him. Mm. He's six eight and 365 pounds. Wow. And he's one of the fastest offensive tackles in the game. Almost a freak of nature. Almost a freak of nature. What he did play, he played rugby in Australia. Mm. So he had no experience playing football. And people said, you know, isn't when he was drafted, like, why, why are the Eagles drafting this guy who's never, not, not in high school, not college, not even in middle school, mm-hmm. didn't even, barely knew what the rules of the game were. Mm. Um, and he was asked, wasn't that, isn't that, wasn't that a big disadvantage that you had never played football and here you are drafted by a professional football team? And um, he was interviewed, and and he said, "No, I don't think I don't. I actually think it was advantage." He said, "I didn't have any bad habits." Right. So, and he is an impact player. Right. And what I um, draw from that example is that impact players are made; they're not born. Whether it's sports or business. And the Eagles invested in him. They gave him the tools that he needed. He applied himself and has become one of the best players at his position in the entire league. Um, and he is a very, very high-impact player. I shared this story with my, with my members. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the impact players in their organizations. And here are some of the things they said about the impact players in their organizations. I said, what, what are the characteristics? They said three things. Impact players do what needs to get done to get stuff across the finish line, no matter what the boss actually tells them they should. They don't just take what the boss says at face value because sometimes bosses don't understand the full complexity of the problem. Impact players just look at what nets needs to get done and they do it and they get it across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Secondly, impact players learn and adapt to change. The workforce is changing. We just talked about how mentoring is no longer a one-way street. Mm-hmm. Um, impact players uh, learn and adapt to change. And the third thing they said is that impact players raise the level of play of everyone around them. If you've played on a sports team, as I have and many people have, and there maybe there's like an awesome team in your uh, in your experience. It was certainly the case in mine, and and there was one person who played at such a level that it lifted all of our game. Mm. Um, and that's the way impact. That's the impact that impact players have within organizations. They influence other people. It was very easy, by the way, to think of someone as soon as you said that. I thought about every team I ever played on, and it was one person yeah. that we all tried to be as good yeah. as. Yeah. yeah, 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 a leader, yeah. an example. So the lesson, f- um, the lesson for CEOs here is to identify your impact players, ones with potential, and develop them. Mm. And another thing my CEO said is that they're not always in the places where you'd expect to find them. 
And one of my CEOs said, you know, I just thought about this person in my company. She's, the person is not on the senior leadership team. But when I think about the characteristics of an impact player, this person's an impact player. Mm-hmm. And I never thought of her in that manner. And this CEO resolved that he was going to take some steps to really develop this person. So in a time of uncertainty, this is tying it back to the data, in a time of uncertainty and turmoil and disruption, CEOs need to identify who their impact players are, invest in them, and develop them. Because the future of the company is going to rest with those impact players. And I think we all try to hire an impact player if we can. Yep. When we're going through six candidates for the same job, yep. which one of these is going to have the greatest impact? Exactly. So that's exactly. what you need to do. And, it, and as you would know as anyone as a recruiter, it's not always the person who has the most number of years experience. Mm-hmm. It's not always the person that went to the fanciest school um, or had fancy sounding title jobs. Um, often it's a person who's got grit, stick to itiveness. I think it was Steve Jobs who said, I would take the person um, who shows up every day and does the work. Um, you describe many of the qualities that I've mentioned here. Um, I'd take that person over a Stanford MBA any day. Mm, very good and very true. And uh, so would I. Yeah. So would I. One more time, Jeff, give your website. My, my, um, the website is www.vistage.com. And your email address. My email is jeff, J-E-F-F dot oak, O-A-K like a tree, at vistagechair, one word, vistagechair.com. Jeff.oak at vistagechair.com. And if you're a CEO and you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, uh, this is a fabulous, the organization to join. And and hopefully you get Jeff as your as your leader. All right. You've been listening to Radio Jobland with Scott Possession. Thanks so much for being here, Jeff. Fabulous Great to job. be here, Scott. As Thanks. always, as always. Uh, if, you, if you have an idea for Radio Jobland, write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. Happy to have you on. Connect with me on LinkedIn so you can see all the posts of this show if in case you missed it. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Happy hunting. Another time. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.